Gaming on the Frontier. This is Bruce. This is Trav. And this is Jonathan. Welcome to uh, to Gaming on the Frontier, your podcast of spending time either far up in the sky or in the depths of the ocean. You just want to find a nice home away from all your annoying neighbors who don't believe the same way you do. And yet you end up probably with a whole new set of annoying neighbors. You can't win. Uh, this week we are talking about uh, the Bioshock uh, slash Columbia properties and how to play Fringeworthy, put them in your Fringeworthy game, or basically uh, uh, put them in what you play in that particular universe. Jonathan is our showrunner tonight, and he's going to tell us all about how that happens. Go for it, Jonathan. Okay, so yeah, if, if we haven't made it absolutely clear, we're talking about Bioshock, Bioshock 2, and Bioshock Infinite, and running games in those worlds, Fringeworthy or any other. Uh, but because of who we are and what we talk about, there will probably be a Fringeworthy bend to everything we talk, but we'll try and keep some of it generic for you who just want to use some other system. But yes, if you haven't played these games, um, Bioshock and Bioshock 2 take place in an underwater city called Rapture, set in the 1960? I believe, yeah, 1960 yep. is when you're running through that ga those games. Well, 1960 for one. Yeah. I think the, the second game takes place like eight years later. Right, and then, but, but it actually is like, tw the, the history of it is over 20 years before that. Yeah, the, the, the city was, fat, well, started construction. 45? 40, yeah, 45. I think 45 or 46. Yeah, 45, 45 is when it was conceived, I think. Yeah. It was conceived on, like, the night, or, like, yeah, the night that the bombs were dropped on Japan in World War II. Um, so let's, let's, let's begin with that. We'll start with the city that you find in Bioshock 1 and 2, which is the city of Rapture. Again, underwater city set in the North Atlantic somewhere uh, probably close to Iceland and Greenland. Right. Uh, Very close to, the, to those two. To the volcanic activity there. Mm -hmm. um, and this was a city designed and funded by a wealthy industrialist named Andrew Ryan, who I can go ahead and give you the quickest bio I can think of. Think of any Anne Rand protagonist. And that's Andrew Ryan. Well, let's just okay. say he was, uh, he believed in un uh, uncontrolled um, opportunism, okay? He wanted a place where he could basically run, uh, live in a society of his own choosing, uh, where basically every man could be whatever they made of themselves. That was with, his dream. Yes, with absolutely no help. Well, but with also no restrictions, uh, ex except for what other people put on you. That's why his big moniker was, no gods, no kings, just men. Correct. But yes, he, uh, he came up with the idea of this underwater city, did, convinced that uh, with the creation of the nuclear bomb, that the world was going to fall into nuclear apocalypse within a matter of years we all did no yeah i mean he had his reasons there were a lot the, of people that agreed with that point of view yeah. back then oh yeah he just had the money to to do something about it the the means and the method to do something about it so he designs and funds an underwater city as we discussed uh and names it rapture and yeah, as, as we said he he conceives that this is to be the ultimate do what you want, no restrictions, no regulations, 
aside from the most basic, you know, no killing, no stealing. And that's about it. Oh, and then uh, we'll discuss later. So he, he starts adding in some other rules later. Of um, course. Because, <laughs> yeah. Because all societies change. Oh, yeah. And yes. why am I getting the feel why am I getting the feeling that this guy follows what how the golden rule has he, turned out to be? He who, he has, who the has the gold, gold makes, the, makes rules. the rules. Yeah, Bingo, yes, sir. Yeah, you know okay, yeah. Well, yes, but he also really, really wanted everybody to to basically uh, you know uh, make a, a life for themselves. He just wasn't a good social planner. Didn't understand how th that that goal could be perverted by people who want to do that. And secondly, how the laws of uh, you know uh, of of uh, supply and demand you know, only work in, you know, when there is, when there literally is infinite opportunity. He provided a, 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 a certain amount of a cushion, okay, in the sense that power was basically free. Okay, you, you know, uh, but, and, and you had, and you didn't have to pay for your air. I don't think they said it in the games, but I think in the novel, which I'm considering a semi-canon right now because there are some... I do conflicts i it's definitely good for like figuring out the motivations of characters and and certain events but there are certain like events that are con conflicting with what's in the games later but right but i don't think that matters i, I the, yeah. the point the point is is that you had to work and you know to, to buy food unless yeah. unless you were rich and most of the people and, and uh and some of the people who were there came in rich Okay, which gave them a huge advantage over the yeah. people that just simply were skilled. Okay, because the, the, the reason they were, yeah, the laborers who the built city. the place. Exactly. So, you know, that, and the problem that they ran into was once the city was built, then all those laborers didn't have, a lot of them didn't have any work. They didn't, they didn't yeah. need as many people to maintain the city as they did to construct it. And some, yeah. yeah, and some of these rich people who came in opened up businesses like fisheries and theaters and and all sorts of things. But there's only so many jobs to go around. And one of the biggest things that that hit them was, you know, housing. And this is and we can talk about what happens is once the city's built and people start moving in and they decided they're done, they've, 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 the city's finished. We're cutting off contact with the outside world because the one of Andrew Ryan's biggest points of, of the city was it had to be secret. Nobody outside the city had to know it existed. No, especially. And nobody could leave the city. Nobody could leave. Nobody else could come in and except that maybe if they had a really good reason, like he intentionally invited them. But yeah, it was uh, no contact. It's, this city has to remain secret, especially from the U.S. and, and Russia. Um, none of the major Cold War powers needed to know about the city because otherwise they'd either destroy it or try and take it over for themselves. Right. I mean, it's the it's the ultimate bomb shelter. And yeah, well, yeah, it was a self sufficient arc. Uh, okay, not arcology ar would underwater city. A self sufficient ecology during the Cold War where submarines, you would have a place where you could dock your submarines between the Soviet Union and the United States, because it was like, what, what did they say here? 433 kilometers west of Reykjavik, Iceland. Hmm. Yeah, that's prime real estate for both the U.S. and the Soviet Union. 68 was when this game was based, the timeline, Jonathan? Uh, the, the Bioshock 2 takes place in 68. Bioshock one takes place in 1960. Okay, but still, the 60s, the Cold War was hopping. Yeah, but the, oh, yeah. US, the city US, itself yeah, US pretty much Soviet existed. Yeah, the pretty much the city itself existed pretty much throughout the 50s. Yeah, they had just had Bay of Pigs. Mm. Okay, yeah, down in Cuba. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Which was the the thing that almost got us into a nuclear war. So Andrew Ryan was was would have been really you know he'd have every 
justification he needed in order to do this. And, 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 the, and the main reason that he didn't want the governments to know about it was because he didn't want them coming in and deserting dominion. It, this well, was this was his dominion, yeah. and it was his toy. He it, built it he, exactly. He, he, doesn't, yeah. he doesn't want people telling him what to do and stuff like that. He doesn't have a standing army. He can't fight off the U.S. Navy or the Russian. All he had was their secrecy, and it worked. So the city itself pretty much could be thought of as New York, as far as the the vibe of the city, how it operated, the kind of lifestyle, I guess you could say, mm-hmm. aside from the fact that it being underwater. I mean, it, it had essentially skyscrapers and marquees on the outside, and you had like a public transport system with the uh, submersibles that would travel between the various buildings that were part of the bathospheres. And there was, I think, a train system as well that didn't take off because the whole bathosphere system did, but there were, especially in Bioshock 2, there were a a few places where you could get on a metro train and ride between buildings. It's not like a everything's under a big giant bubble. Okay, what you have is separate buildings that are connected to each other, uh, and mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know physically below ground, above ground mostly by these bathospheres, and uh, and people would travel you know through uh, through them, and they had. And apparently their their geothermal power system was perfect because they had plenty of power, uh, and you know that was never a problem. They had to maintain it, and you know occasionally you had issues. But... Oh yeah, everything had to be maintained. That was one of the big issues that they ran into in the novels. They talked about how you know it was really really important, you know, uh, you know, to keep making sure that those seals, yeah, you know, <laughs> because you're down, uh, you know, hundreds of feet. There's a lot of pressure, uh, and the, those seals on the uh, on the windows and those those uh, bulwarks, you know, those those uh, water seal doors were always operational and up to snuff because every so often one of those windows would just blow in, and it could happen because of just you know bad maintenance. You know, it could happen because someone decided to put a shape charge on the outside of one when things got a little bit dicier later on. I mean, you know. There was always possibilities, you know. Uh, fortunately, they had a uh, uh, a ready workforce uh, that didn't mind working out uh, in those very hostile environments. But we'll get to that later. Yeah, we'll get to those guys later. But kind of going back into the society, it, it, like I said, it was imagine New York City. Just instead of air, it's water. All these buildings are underwater instead of op- in the open air. And the biggest thing was um, there was also no no real government. Andrew Ryan and his company, Ryan Industries, was the de facto government. But it was mainly they would sell you the property since they built it. They owned it. And if you wanted to rent space, you had to either buy it or rent it from him. Yeah. And if you wanted trash pickup, you had pay someone to come pick up the trash and if you wanted police force you'd have to pay someone to act like a police force or, or a security fire department force. yeah mm-hmm. fire department leather rinse repeat yeah everything was paid for that's why when you said like he provided power and oxygen i don't even think he did that i think that was just rolled into your rent because i think if, i remember in one part of the novel he he mentioned he's 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 angry because people are you know not not happy with how much he's charging he's like i provide you know, I I, th- I provide them power. I think he might be char- charging them low rates for the power and oxygen, but I think he still charges them. I, I don't remember. Okay, so, but I'm, I'm just saying, though, is that, you know, I, there were people that were homeless. Oh, yeah. There, I mean, yeah, that was the thing is one of the big problems they had was not just the fact that when the construction crews were done constructing and the rate of new buildings didn't match the, the number of crews they had, but they also didn't build enough housing for all these poor people because Andrew Ryan, of course, expected everyone in Rapture to become rich and powerful and wealthy. And everybody would have, you know, this deluxe, you know, apartment. So, of course, everyone's going to be rich enough to avoid these apartments. So why do we need all these small little, you know, bunk rooms? We don't need that many of those. We're not going to have any poor people. 
and of course then you have overcrowding because there's a lot of people who don't have jobs where they can afford the nice spacious apartment so everyone's having to cram into these smaller little bunk rooms and there were issues about you know um disease because of the wetness and stuff like that mm -hmm. because not you know not everything was maintained as well oh yeah well this is this is and a, that's before that's even before the society was breaking down yeah this we, is a closed environment and yeah it's it's big it is a city but it's still all the same air just getting circulated all throughout this whole system so hey is this last week's air come on i'm paying good money for this i want fresh air yeah. <laughs> you ain't getting fresh air i want you to pipe the air down from the top of the city not the bottom of the city yeah right right <laughs> and i'm sure those were things that came up too you know uh, they, they had this really you know right before everything went to hell uh they had this big party um uh and where ryan was you know you know announcing you know the, the the new future of the city and and it was it was everything was done to success and all this stuff you know and all these people are there and they're rich and they're enjoying themselves you know and it's 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 an illusion because almost immediately after that big party i think even during that party things started bad things started happening well it and, was new year's eve yeah the, yeah it was the, new year's eve the opening shots of the of the rapture civil war was the new year's eve party for for new year's eve 1960 and it's literally like as soon as they hit the zero for midnight instead of it being fireworks and kisses it was bombs exploding and machine gun fire <laughs> And that's because, you know, not everybody wanted to play by, you know, by the rules. You know, people had learned to take advantage and were, and were willing to kill if necessary in order to maintain their advantages or to gain more advantages. They had no problem, you know, and, and that was one of the biggest things was smuggling um, by one individual, Frank Fontaine um made him the closest rival to uh andrew ryan as far as just money and power because he had he was smuggling in all the things that had been made illegal which was religious paraphernalia but because if there was it, one one of the rules that andrew ryan had made is like you know no open uh worship of religion you know you could worship whatever you want in the privacy of your own room but there would be no religious symbols no texts you ain't going to church on sundays there folks. is no yeah. there is no religion in rapture you yeah. believe what you want in your own head That's there's it. no person standing on this on the street corner waving a bible telling people to get right with jesus uh, yeah and also well and no outside goods whatsoever no alcohol nothing from the outside world the whole point was it to be completely self-sustaining so that you know when the bombs drop they wouldn't be reliant on the outside world which wouldn't be there anymore. Right. So, but Frank Fontaine was smuggling in religious paraphernalia, cigars, alcohol from the outside world, anything from the outside world that anybody wanted. Theoretically, maybe even people. But it gave him a lot of power, not just monetarily, but also people who liked him because they, he brought in the things they wanted. They brought him loyalty. And I, I do not believe the phrase absolute power corrupts absolutely. Corrupts absolutely. I believe that absolute power attracts the corruptible. And Frank Fontaine attracted a lot of corruptible people. And he, he was also smart. He was a you know born con man and conned his way into the city and conned his way. He just had a different vision for the city than Ryan did. I wouldn't say it was very different. He just saw himself at the at the throne instead of Ryan. But yeah, Ryan did have Ryan did have his ideals. He had the I want, you know, a a pure capitalist society. Well, Frank Fontaine was like, I just want to have all the money and all the power. Well, no, he was an autocrat. He wanted to he wanted to be in charge. He wanted power. He wanted all the money and all the other stuff like that. So they they were really diametrically opposed philosophically. Okay? Mm. But they 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 did end up but they were competing in the same market was what yeah. was the problem. And of course, he had to do it 
in secret because if Brian could find him, which he was trying to do in in, in the game, they could uh, find the evidence. Yeah. Well, even if he could find well, Fontaine. <laughs> once, yeah, once the Civil War started. Well, that was the thing. The that Fontaine fakes his death before the Civil War breaks out in full. And okay, again, spoilers if you haven't played the game, but yeah, Frank Fontaine <clears throat> fakes his death before the Civil War and takes on the persona of Atlas, the the hero to the common man in, in Rapture. And he is pretty much the leader of the, the rebel forces within Rapture. And yeah, but at that point, once the Civil War breaks out, it's all about how do I find this guy so I can kill him and, and reclaim my city. And and Fontaine's all about how do I kill off this Ryan so that, you know, they, they, they no longer have this um, charismatic leader to get you know to to basically you know break the spirit of the city by getting mm -hmm. rid of Ryan. So they're both basically working to try to eliminate the figurehead on each of the um, uh, on on the on the uh, on each of the side. Yeah. So in that sense, again, you are right; they are the same. But they're you well. Know, they're, they're using they're they're not afraid of using the same tactic tactics once it gets to that point. And that's that's one thing. Even if they had been successful, they wouldn't have been successful because, you know, there was something going on in Rapture that was going to cause them all to be destroyed anyways. I'm, I'm talking about uh, Adam. It is a genetic treatment of some type? It's a it's like compound. therapy? It's, yeah, it's well, basically what Adam does is it's this serum that they get from a, a local sea slug that yeah. when injected or as we later discovered, maybe ingested, but once taken into the body, it replaces the human cells with stem cells. Like, yes. Whatever the cell is, it, it turns it into a stem cell, which allows it to be a lot more flexible as far as the genetic engineering that can be done with it. And, Oh, 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 I'm seeing now. Yeah. So what it does. Okay. Advanced healing. Yeah. And genetic splicing. Oh. Yeah. Th this is a game about people who, get, who, who can get whatever superpowers they want. Pretty much, yeah. Except there's a cost. Yeah. Because the, the, the problem with it is that it, because your body starts becoming purely stem cells you have all sorts of tumors begin to grow on you they're benign they and, don't kill you but, but they're you're you're horribly disfigured and mental degeneration your psychological state progressively gets worse and moves further and further towards psychopathy mm -hmm. and, and go, they're addictive go crazy yeah oh, and it's a oh, and wait, it's an addictive it. substance because oh it's, hold it we have one more thing too here just just folks so it you know, oh, Trav, Bruce, and Jonathan, it can't get much worse. <laughs> Hold our beer. Genetic memory, another side effect of Adam, appears to be the encoding of memories to genetic sequences. If harvested from a dead body and used in another uh, treatment, they call it a plasmic, plasmid or a gene tonic, these memories can be transferred to another Adam user. This causes a rise in, air quotes here, ghost sightings throughout rapture as adam user began to see memories of other people mm -hmm. yeah so basically you're getting like yeah little bobby over there i got his you know blue eyes wait a minute why am i getting memories of bobby being killed and his eyes getting ripped out of his head hold <laughs> it wait a minute i didn't sign on yeah. for this yeah yeah you're already moving towards you know mental uh instability and you're getting addicted to this substance and it is a physical addiction like if if people start it i i think I, uh, I think I'm uh, let's like see both similar... physically and psychologically addictive splicers citizens with heavy atom addiction seem to act similarly to crack or heroin addicts. Yeah. It's a physical and mental addiction. Like, and, and you're also starting to see the memories of other people. Right. So it's like the internet meme where, you know, you got the mom and the little boy comes in the room, says, mommy, mommy, I'm hungry. Can I have a snack? And she says, no, honey, it's late. You need to go to bed. He says, oh, why do I have to go to bed, mommy? She says, because you died five years ago. So you really need to go to bed. <laughs> wait, what? Whoa, wait, hold it. What? 
what internet are you getting this sick mean from? Wait, hold <laughs> it. Whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, gee, okay, yeah. So it's 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 supposed to be a ghost, a little ghost boy doing it. But in oh, in okay. terms of this of this game, it could just simply be you know you trying to process these memories and actually seeing, let's say your own child that might have died coming back and 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 spending time with you, which can really mess with your head. Or or yeah yeah Frank down the down the hall who you murdered for that last scrap of Adam the the other week. Well, that that could be real bad too. Okay, <laughs> I'm just saying is there there yeah there definitely was mental, but you know and and, and this is where it, it's it becomes very game ish because you know um, it it's not it's, it's not like it's like well if you take you take one superpower you're good, but if you take you know every superpower you take after that you've got like a fifty percent chance of going crazy. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't do that. I mean, you know, you know that eventually people, uh, that a lot of people do go crazy as a result of this because what would happen is, is that you know initially this these were all good things. It's like, hey, I'm a welder, but I'm really having trouble competing with Jenny over there because Jenny just goes and takes her finger and just well and produces like you know an electric arc from her finger and welds you know two pieces of metal together while I'm trying to get the uh, acetylene torch going. Mm. It says everybody yeah. wants to hire we- uh, 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 Jenny over there. No, there's no work for me. Where can I get my hands on that plasmid? And Frank uh, Fontaine yeah. says, "Well, it's funny. You should ask that question." <laughs> I happen to have some, and I'll make tell it you what I want to do, friend. Yeah, yeah, the whole yeah, yeah. I got something. Yeah. Uh, initially, this was seen as a as a great you know thing because you know people could essentially uh, you know better themselves. Yeah. By use by using these these things and gain powers and they weren't some of it was sleeper powers some of it just made you better at at yeah. certain skills stronger smarter yeah healthier. so th- there was a lot of pluses to this okay much like what people referred to LSD and back in the day about how mind enhancing it was it wasn't until later that suddenly they you know when they started seeing the effects of ta- of long-term use of of atom and the fact that sometimes you know uh plasmas and tonics taken together didn't produce you know uh you know equal you know uh you know any kind of a logical improvement you yeah. you ended up with some really weird stuff you know and not to mention like like you said like the 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 idea that you you've mentioned earlier like you know absolute power attracts the corrupt I also think there's a caveat to that as well. It's like power reveals what's inside. And you had a few people, certainly a few people within our rapture who were already pretty close to insane. And you suddenly give them superpowers. They don't even need the, the mind degrading effects of Adam to start going nuts. They're already nuts. You just given them a tool to go nutter with. Right. Well, you make someone powerful <laughs> enough, then then the restraints that they might have had before, they yeah. just fall away, and they, tr- as you say, they reveal their true selves. Because uh, there's one character in in the games and, and in the novel, Sander Cohen, who is you know like big Broadway musical composer and and director and writer, and yeah, the novel goes into the first time he uses a a, a plasmid, and yeah, he was already nuts before he started that. He just taking the plasma just gave him another tool to be nuts with, right? You know, and then he starts, you know, having like extreme uh, uh, performances where <laughs> bad things happen to the performers, and 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 unfortunately, some of these performers didn't plan on being performers, and sometimes they the performers need some help afterwards to recover. So, and they. So I'm just saying, this thing kind of fed on itself. But what we essentially have here is a superpower game, all right? You know, where it's, it's, you're kind of like, you know, uh, trying to get your, you know, trying to decide what plasmids you want, you know, what tonics you want, you know, in order to achieve the goals that you perceive in the game. You know, and in a role-playing game, if we're using this as a role-playing property, then you're going to also be running into that kind of thing. 
where you're going to be like, okay, I can have superpowers, but if I take too many superpowers, I'm going to go crazy or I'm going to become so mutated that nobody, everyone's going to just try to kill me on sight because I'm just so twisted looking. Hideous, yeah. yeah. As an example, uh, I was... Oh. I was planning a uh, campaign of this in uh, the GURPS system. Oh, okay. Using the GURPS supers rules, I take it? GURPS supers and the, superpowers. Um, biotech, I think, handbook. Ah, oh, it's been a while since I've delved into my GURPS books, sir. But oh, yes, yeah, I there's... do remember those two, yes. Yeah, and it was basically I had Adam as a... Um, a trait that was like similar to the modular trait, like the cybernetic or something like that. Okay. You, okay. You bought points in Adam and it was just a pool that you could then use to assign to other abilities. But you also Wait got, a minute, the modular trait that was in was that in GURP Cyberpunk? It might have been. Actually, I think by the time uh, I, yes, I came across it, I think it might have been just a base ability in fourth. Yeah. Oh no, no, folks. Folks, if you know your role-playing history, which three of us do, GURP Cyberpunk, it's that phrase. If you know, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if it wasn't. I don't actually... It's been a while since I don't, it's been, as I said, dude, it's been a long time since I've cracked open yeah, that GURP like, Cyberpunk book. Th it's this, in, campaign it's I, this campaign I speak of is like six years ago, I think. Before well, that, that's fine. No. it came out. <laughs> Yeah, but but still, dude, I mean, the fact that you were willing to do this campaign via GURPS and have the modular thing where you could sit there and add more and more powers, I'm yeah. just wondering, and, and, and without getting too much into the GURPS rule set here, I take it you had a, a thing for, okay, I've added another atom, another plasmid, another gene tonic where I get another power. Okay, what are the chances that I just go, as they would say colloquially, go cuckoo for Cocoa well, Puffs? The way I worked it was, um, and this, I'm working from memory since I don't have the the campaign yeah, notes yeah. in front of me, but I believe it was like that's fine. You spent twenty trait points, twenty points to get the Adam ability or Adam trait. Okay, with that twenty points, you would get. Um, I would say, I want to say it was like you could unlock thirty points worth of. Uh, paranormal abilities but with that came 10 points of uh disfiguring or mental uh defects oh oh crap i just figured out how i could do this in ogl using the aberrant d20 rules for how they have aberrant level oh no this okay got it no this is all running in my head now it's not campaign idea worthy but just okay the ogl clicking you two might be hearing the there. That's my mind going with this because I use the Abbott rule so much for when I do superpower games. Oh no, this whole Adam concept. And there are people out there when they get superhero games going, you always have that one damn player who gets greedy as hell. It's mm -hmm. like, Ooh, I can have this and this and this over here. And it's like a menu at a Chinese restaurant, a little bit from column A, a little bit from column B. And all of a sudden you, no, that's not a muscular physique. No, you have tumors all over you. Yeah. Back, sir, step away from the technology. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, the way I basically did it was that, like, for every ability, because you had to buy them in, like, in, like, slots of, like, 20 or something like that. Like, okay, you couldn't yeah, just yeah. put five points into Adam. You had to buy 20 or 40 or 60. But with go that. Go big or go home. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. With that, you got, you know, like I said, like 30 points for powers. But then it also came with a matching 10 points of d defects. Well, yeah, every, I mean, you're, you're not going to get away. Yeah, you're not going to, excuse me, you're not going to get away from this scot-free. And no. those defects are going to build up. Yeah, but I, so I, I you read buy your a small amount, outline. Yeah, so if you buy a small amount, the 20-point the twenty point bundle, then yeah, you're getting 10 points of defects. You can maybe put five into Adam Addiction or... Or maybe just like disfigurement and five into maybe a little bit of paranoia. You know, just small yeah, things that you yeah. can manage and, and probably not have that big a problem with. But if you keep adding and, on and keep adding on. And that's why the aberrant uh, rules would work here if you want to try to do this OGL. Again, aberrant, what I refer to as, okay, the storyteller universe of superpowers, adventure, aberrant, trinity. 
Years ago, White Wolf put out D20 equivalents to it. Now, granted, mm. the aberrant powers aren't quite as high, but the whole concept of aberrant levels where, oh, yes, you have your quantum and I need to restore power points. Well, I'm going to push my MR node, which is the little marble-sized node in your brain that manipulates quantum energies for this setting, and you could just say, okay, the role that you would, the will save that you would make to not get um, get taint, as they call it, because, oh, I'm pushing my MR node to get more points back and heal back the power points I use. No, you make that roll. I'm going to get me a little more atom. Oh, look, I have teleportation and I want super speed. That's when you would make that will save. And if you fail, you end up switching out the level. I think the highest level you have in a class to an aberrant level. And that's where the psychological and physical weirdness comes in oh you may have glowing eyes no you're now abnormally muscular and have blue skin <laughs> oh and you now have paranoia oh no it goes from minor major to severe on this list jonathan and no as soon as you started just how this worked out it was like a drop down menu for me oh no aberrant rules you know okay boom 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 yeah the aberrant levels tank got it yeah so and as I said, you're always going to have that one player who is just, he's greedy. Oh, he's going to, yeah. he's going to play the odds. Yeah. He's perfectly fine with being horrible because he wasn't playing on asking a girl's permission anyways. Mm. Well, no, the thing is, you, I mean, not the character, that one player who's going to try to buck the odds and just oh, hope yeah. that, that, that percentage roll of 50%. Yeah, I, okay, I rolled 51, I'm good. Okay, 73, uh, 49, crap. Okay, I got I my hair just turned white, okay. How do I buy that off, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Start, start, start gaming the GM. Yeah. Right, and, and, and the three of us have all had players who, who play like that, that they're going to sit there. And, and some of us have played like that. I don't know what you're talking about, sir. I mean, I, I find that, <laughs> I resemble that remark, yeah, back in the early days, <clears throat> as I take a sip of my wine and look innocently about my apartment living room. Yeah, but no, this whole thing, it's held up by the horns. Get it right. You've known me a few years now. <laughs> I have one rule, Jonathan. Don't question my mental state until you've known me a year. Guess what? You ain't new anymore. Yeah, there's a reason why his horns come in threes. Uh -huh. <laughs> Bruce has known me for 20, so yeah. Um, but no, this whole thing with Adam. Oh, no, I'm just seeing all sorts of power, like rules, mechanics that you could do to get this going and just have fun with it where this person's going. And, and here's the thing. I take it that, okay, this Adam, it, it mentioned that it came from some sea slug originally. Mm -hmm. Do they do like, just like genetic copying? They'll attach themselves to something and take like a genetic imprint. Then you take that genetic imprint and add to your own or pretty much because I, and this is where it's, I've rare, I could, I could not find very good explanation for it either in the game, in the novel or on the wiki. So this has been my head cannon. They call it, Got it. plasmids okay. for uh, they call it plasmids for a reason. It's like a bacterial plasmid. It is just like bacteria will exchange genetic code through a little packet called a plasmid. That's what's yeah. happening here. When you when you take Adam and your your cells were reverted to a stem cell state, they have already got these pre-made genetic packages that you can inject. And it gives you that, it rewrites your DNA and gives you that package, that the genetic. Okay, thing. I see this. Okay, I see this whole sea slug thing. Okay, if you're able to sit there and attach yourself to something and take a genetic imprint, I see that, first of all, as an adaptation technique where you are trying to find dominant alleles to make sure your butt survives. And sea slugs, let's face it, sea slugs are not the most hardy creatures in the world. They're not like cockroaches. A sea slug is a sea slug. It's a thing of mush that, you know, schleps along the bottom. But if you got this ability to latch onto a shark, sharks are the apex predators of the ocean. Guess what? You're, you, you now rule the roost as far as your fellow sea slugs go. I see this as a genetic adaptation for survival that 
Ryan or whoever said, oh, this looks useful. Well, that and then funnily enough, yeah. uh, that does go into another topic we have is um, the the thing is that they, the sea slugs emit Adam when they bite something. That's how they discover it. Uh, the yeah. scientist, the main scientist involved, uh, Brigitte Tenenbaum, okay. who was, uh, let's just say, a survivor of the Nazis. Oh, okay, so I'm seeing all sorts of either okay, survivor of the Nazis. Would that it's be both. as in it's the it's both of what you're thinking. She was a survivor and a collaborator. I do believe the term was a quizzling then. Somebody who oh no, I'm one of you. No, I work for them. Yeah. yeah her story was that she, she was a child in a concentration camp and she saw the scientist uh doing his experiments and noticed he was doing his math wrong and told him and he's like why are you telling me it's like if you're going to do these horrible so things, wait a minute so, right. so 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 this so this woman who probably was of jewish descent mm. decided to try to tell yosef Mengele, the angel of death no this is how you do it yes yeah okay there okay that that she became a great scientist but she had to make a lot of questionable choices along the way oh, in order think. to survive <laughs> and think. to and, and to progress her science yeah but but still, Yosef Mengele, we and 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 yeah, we're not going to get into the evils that the Nazi right. Yeah, you're not going to find any true, you know, but, true blue characters in this. No, but I mean, the fact angel. the fact that many many of our current medical advances that we've had over the past fifty years came from Nazi experimentation, and heart surgery is one of them, and there's a bunch of others. I'm sure you could look up the list. But yeah, this woman who was in a concentration camp decided to side with the people that there's a term for that. I think it's called Stockholm syndrome. Well, she, and she was a a young girl at the time. She was I yeah, think, so impressionable and all that. Yeah. Oh no, formative years. Okay. Yeah. But still, you're gonna sit there and tell Yosef Bengala that the man who was the, basically the top scientist. Of the I think I think her top characterization. I think her characterization is that she was she has she had always been very non-emotional, very apathetic. And it wasn't so oh, much an attempt that, to survive. Oh, that, it was a no, you're doing that wrong. You're doing your math wrong. No, here's how, here's the correct math. All right. Now that you've got that done. All right. Do you want me to help you with more of your math? Because apparently you can't do it right. All right, fine. Here, I'll help you with the rest of your math. Okay, and oh no, I'm seeing how this woman could have been, and yeah, if I say no, no, I. But later no, on, she becomes, she actually becomes very um, caring. Yes, and and, and nurturing and because of what I was, what led me to this this <laughs> path was as we were saying, these sea slugs emit Adam when they bite something, and yeah. there's a limited supply; they cannot harvest enough of these sea slugs and enough of the atom from them fast enough to keep up with the demand as as time goes on so, so they, they come have up, to synthesize it yeah so they come up with an interesting way of producing more and they create little sisters who are young girls who are orphans at least at first who are have the sea slug implanted within their stomach uh, lining or stomach cavity. Lining the stomach, which allows them to ingest atom, harvest it from corpses, and process it into fresh atom. Then they then regurgitate for use in new plasmids and gene tonics. Yeah, basically they drink uh, the blood of corpses, and they throw it back up, and it's pure, you know, processed atom. Uh, implementation the accompanying mental condition would change little girls in disturbing parodies of themselves. Oh, you think? Yeah, they would gain they have, powerful regenerative abilities, becoming near invulnerable as well as greatly reducing their aging. Their eyes would enlarge and brightly go yellow. They'd be sent through the city through air vents or with their big daddy. Okay, that okay, yeah, escorts. Okay, I just made that very creepy to <laughs> harvest Adam from dead bodies. It is very creepy. Oh no, I can I, I I can make it a lot creepier. It's just we're trying to be pod safe here. Uh, the mental condition caused them to see the ring and trust their friends and protect her. Okay, no, this is basically these little sisters are basically this 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 intellectual properties version of vampires. To some degree, they're, but they're they're, they're wandering they're, around with giant syringes. And they Okay, they, so they don't have the fangs. Happily, oh, gee, that's oh, they're, oh, they're they don't have the fangs. Oh, that's, no, that's no fangs. nice 
part of it. Yeah. Just big Gee. glowing eyes, unnaturally big glowing eyes, happily skipping around with slightly reverberating voices. And um, and regenerative abilities and yeah yeah sure yeah yeah you can't you you can hurt them but you can't kill. Them. I think you can, but it takes a lot. No, no, you can't. Becoming near and vulnerable is rarely reducing their aging. So, yeah, it's... They're, yeah, just... No, you're you're emptying whole clips into them. Yeah, maybe into a role-playing game, you know, setting you could, but in the game itself, it wasn't possible to do it. Besides which, you didn't want to. You wanted to, you know, you could harvest the atom directly from them. Well, that would kill them. And that does kill them, yes. But only certain people have that ability to do that. So, yeah. That's that's one of the things that makes you special in the protagonist in the game is that you can choose whether to, you know, basically give them their minds back or harvest the atom from them. It's a moral dilemma. Yeah, it it was the big moral dilemma in that game. The only real moral choice you had. Kill the little sisters... Or, you know, save them and get less Adam in the process. Of course, if you played the game and you saved every little sister, you ended up getting more Adam in the long run because every so often they would give you a gift. Yeah, that, that was where Tenenbaum would basically say, you've been so good to our to my little girls, here's, here's a gift. So they're definitely wanting you to go the, the good route, the quote good route. Okay, but you know, it's... Uh, and of course, at the very end of the of, of the game, uh, if you do, if you do go the good route and complete the the game, all the little sisters be become your daughters. Yeah, so you you escape back to the surface and you adopt all these little sisters you save. And and they they're there on your deathbed as you're dying, kissing you and 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 sending you on to the great beyond. You know, you know, ha- mm-hmm. you having given them you know a, a life now. You know. And it's it's all very warm and fuzzy at at the end after all the horror yeah. literally the 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 uh, you know the the body and every other kind of horror you can imagine that's in this game because it is an actioneer but it's definitely a horror game. It's it definitely has the horror vibes. Yeah, because um, the people you're yeah, dealing with are all horrible people. They're all mangled or disfigured and crazy, and the the environments are not bright and cheerful. <laughs> oh no, I remember that from the game. It was very dark and a lot of bronze and metal and copper looking. Yeah, no, yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's the it's the uh, it's the decor they had back in the twenties. Art such. Deco. Art Deco. Very Art Deco. Yeah. 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 But with the bronze made it all so shiny and nice, you know. So yeah. Yeah, yeah, bronze and copper. Yeah, that much I remember. As I said, I. Played this 10 years ago and saw a lot of creepy things in the tunnels I was in. And after a while, I just handed the controller my friend Deirdre and said, take over. This has weirded me out. Just, of course. Okay, so that being said, okay, that's the setting of Rapture. That's what Rapture becomes, basically a shell of what it once was because everything goes to hell. In the game, you as the protagonist has to basically, you know resolve everything okay but in a role-playing situation you know if you want to use this you know either as um as a as a role-playing game or if you want to like uh, put fringe put it into your fringe worthy game then there's a lot you know there's a lot of choices as as a game designer you need to make uh the the, the big appeal of course is the um uh, is the technology you know, the both physical and also the um you know the you know the the plasmids and tonics and atom and all that other stuff like that 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 stuff if you know uh, is some pretty ser- serious you know superpower type stuff okay you know and and mostly they they play it as super as superhero ish powers I mean most you know even though you even though you got these plasmids and, and stuff like that you mostly it's like you creating electricity coming from your hands or balls of fire or levitation or other things like that there's only a few of them that are really weirdly creepy okay and the one I'm thinking of is the one where you somehow create swarms of bees that go after your enemies. Yeah. He's sitting here underwater. There are no bees. <laughs> there are bees. What? There are bees in the, the tree farm. 
to help pollinate the the the, the garden flowers and the trees. Okay, but I'm just saying that is was it... like the one that was like the one animal other th- other than like household pets. That was the one animal in in, in rabbit. Right, but the point is, is that you you decide to take that power. Where are the bees? How are you generating yeah. them? You know? that, yeah, that is the thing. Like, okay. Yeah, that's and of course, you know, you you go, you send them after people, and they're screaming, and they're trying to swat them away, and they're taking damage and dying. It's it's gruesome, you know, in that sense, you know. Um, the uh, and the other one is where you 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 most of the time you don't. These are all physical type things, but you do have the ability to make people fight each other. Yeah. Essentially, you generate such antagonism in, 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 in individuals that as long as they can't, they don't see you and aggro on you, they'll aggro on each other. Yeah, you can drive them to attack their friends. I think it, it, it's, it might be in one, it, it might only have been in two, but even as you power it up, you can even take control of... Uh, so they'll they'll think you're a friend for a little while, like a like a basically a charm spell, yeah. or you can even use it on the 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 essentially mindless big daddies. Right. Well, but it's yeah that that actually comes very late. You know, that's another mm-hmm. version of it. But the earlier version is literally where you just cause such aggression that you know, like yeah. one guy just bumps the other guy, and it's like, oh, that again? I'm not putting up with that this time, and they start fighting. And it, which allows you to slip by them, or you just wait until they kill each other, and then you just you know harvest their their you know you know loot their bodies and uh, keep yeah. it. So it's very much of a D and D kind of loot. There's a lot of loot in the bodies in this game. So, but anyways, the point is the, the super is mostly from, even though the setting is, is is in some ways horrific and 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 gothic and all the rest of that stuff. He says. It's pretty much a straight up superpower game. So, uh, if you decided to do a role playing game, then you know you could, you know, you'd have to decide what what do you want to do. So, uh, if you were let's let's leave Friends really off the table for now. If you decided that you wanted to have a superhero role playing game, okay, with this as a, not necessarily in Rapture, but using Rapture as a kind of a as a, a, a resource for it, you know, like your source of superpowers would be okay. This Adam's this Adam thing got out, mm-hmm. and yeah, so you can get superpowers, but there's a risk. Yeah, I you mean, know? you have to basically get in there. You have to either you have to you know you have a deal with Fontaine that he he lets you leave after you yeah, get the superpowers. Be... Okay, I mean, if it's enough money, Fontaine would probably be willing to do it. Or 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 because there's this smuggling operation, he has to go to other places to get stuff. Who's to say that somebody didn't smuggle the concept of Adam and this ability to gain these powers? Okay, I'm going to smuggle this out to a a geneticist buddy of mine who lives in, say, Nova Scotia, which, Reykjavik to Nova Scotia, it really isn't all that far. And I give it to him, and it disperses from there like oil on water. Well, you got yeah, but see, then you run into the whole problem of if everybody has superpowers, then nobody's super. Well, that was kind of well, my... still. I mean, he's he's not going to you know give it out freely. You still have to go through channel, so you can restrict. Okay, how far this goes, or well, you can let it get to New York City or whatever, and then you know you can have the superpowers there in new york city you know let me let me give you an example because my campaign that i was working on in gurps was pretty much this it was superpowers with worldwide conspiracy um okay basic premise of it takes place in modern day and the player characters are various investigators or people of note that have been hired to go diving in the North Atlantic to find some wreck. At least that's and what they're they told. Find rap- and they, they find Rapture. They find oh. Rapture because they were hired by uh, a survivor of Rapture. Oh, okay. Ooh. Um, Ooh. And, and who knows that they're going to find Rapture and who is trying to find Rapture before this other organization called, uh, I think I called it Seraphim, Finds it. Okay. And 
basically I would the idea being that you have these PCs fighting against this organization called Seraphim who have basically decided to tank up the mantle of Rapture and become the founders of a new society for Earth, a, the new world order, kind of taking some idea from the idea of having their own little secret hideaway where they can research unimpeded, but buying heavily into transhumanistic ideas and technologies. Yeah. And, you know, the smartest makes the right kind of a meritocracy. Whoever's smartest should be the one who rules the world. And of course the guy who's funding it thinks he's the smartest. Well, kind yeah. of a, uh, I, 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 at the time, I didn't really think of it, but I, I today I would say that the, the 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 person running this organization would probably be like an Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos type of guy. Ah, wealthy. Okay, what is okay? Okay, this whole thing that you've put out about this campaign, I believe there was a a phrase from the the well known and well loved animated character Homer J. Simpson, where he said. I'm intrigued by your philosophy and I wish to subscribe to your newsletter. <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah, no, this sounds like a beautiful campaign idea, sir. Oh yeah. Oh, I, wow. I was working on it. Unfortunately, the, the group fell through, so I didn't get to to play it. And then it kind of sat and languished for a few years, but yeah, yeah I, I refer, was going to have fun. But yeah, the yeah, idea would be. an episode about resurrecting campaigns. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, the idea was going to be that the PCs would be in rapture and they would have a little bit of time to explore it and possibly find some plasmids. And gained some powers before Seraphim arrived and blew it the F up. Yeah, but still, you would get them on that beginning. And and I'm, I'm sure that this campaign would be also, yes, they have these powers now and are fighting this evil organization known as Seraphim. And now they can fight them, well, somewhat on their own terms. Exactly. Because I'm sure because the Seraphim people. But I actually had now are also yeah, having I to balance the, the whole... Um, do I want more powers? Do I want to risk? Yeah. Okay, I'm starting to see visions and stuff. I can now throw three different types of energy bolts, but I'm starting to see visions of this six-year-old boy getting violently murdered every night. Yeah. yeah. And and I had it where the Seraphim were, they had their own underwater base in the Pacific. Ah. And they were researching every, if it was a, could be considered transhuman, technology they were researching it cybernetics brain taping uh genetic engineering and they had like a whole like cell devoted to just that so uh, okay. one, one week they'd be fighting against the the cyborg arm of of seraphim and could possibly pick up some tech from that and then the next week they'd be fighting people with you know genetically engineered superpowers like them and all sorts of fun and oh, I, I could see And I brought Andrew yeah. Ryan back from the dead. Oh, while I'm being a complete jerk as a GM. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, that's the thing. That's one that's that's probably the most superpower part of the entire game, which is the fact that if you die, you don't stay dead. Right. Because one of the technologies in Rapture is is what they call the Vita Chambers. Yeah. Which are basically just pods. They were like you know, there are therapy pods, you know, when you see them in the game, they're kind of filled with this, like, almost electrical, but not quite blue energy, um, kind of raising up. Um, the lore is that, you know, for most people, it was, you know, you'd, you'd go in the pod and it'd heal you a little bit, restore some of your energy. But if you happen to be one of the very few individuals who had just the right genetic code... It could bring you back from the dead. Because the way these things work is, and when we get into discussing Bioshock Infinite in Columbia, I have a, a sneaking suspicion about this, but these uh, pods could resurrect somebody via, you know, a quantum entanglement. And oh, so you're saying it could, okay, we're going to, yeah, we did not, we said we were going to mention that game. I see where this is going, sir. Yes. Yeah, we we haven't discussed Columbia and its uh, fun uh, technology yet, but yeah, or, the Vita or, Chambers or could. Or the 
our our resident portal game that we love all so much. We said we would hold off on that for a while. Yeah, okay, I see where this is going. Well, you know, the Vita Chamber, I mean, it you know, if we could bring in some Star Trek here and a little thing having to do with uh, a, 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 cer- a certain engineer who came back from, quote, the dead. Uh, yeah. Oh, okay. yes. Uh, the, the, the whole premise of the second Bioshock is the fact is that there's this experimental version of one of their uh, altered workforce that basically died, but... He comes. He basically the Vita Chamber gets reactivated, uh, or gets plugged in, or something like that, and it's got his genetic code in it. And bam, he reappears in it, alive and fully functional. And that's how Bioshock Two starts. Yeah, it, it, it basically the the way the Vita Chambers would only bring back Andrew Ryan. They were programmed to only bring him back from sudden traumatic death. Well, but that's that's hardly a limitation if you decide to use it in an RPG. You everybody would want a value chamber that brought them back, right? But that was the thing; it was only programmed to bring him back and only him. It just so happened that I guess their technology couldn't tell the difference between him and someone who is, say, maybe genetically his son. So again, spoilers: you're playing Bioshock as Andrew Ryan's son. Ah. Uh. So all of the technology that was gene-locked to him is usable by your character. And so, yeah, if you're putting in this a role-playing game, yeah, the, if, you're, if your genes aren't programmed in the Vita Chambers, you, it's not bringing you back to life. But then, Bruce, yes, why, am I reminded, why am I reminded of the data disks in the FTL 2448 auto docs with this? You might as well just refer to the, the cubes that were in the uh, navigational array in... Um, uh, in, in incursion. I mean, it's programmed. Uh, yeah. Okay, so until you put a new programming in, it does what it does. So you know. Yeah. So yeah, and but yeah, at the beginning of Bioshock Two, uh, yeah, you're playing a whole different character, and the idea being your character has died ten years back, but your ally reprograms the the Vita chamber right next to where you died to accept your gene sequence. And so, poop, you're immediately brought back. So apparently, time isn't a, a factor in this, just distance. Ah. Because in the first Bioshock, you kill Andrew Ryan, and he doesn't come back to life because he turned off the chamber in his office. But I say, at some point, it probably got turned back on, and he got brought back, for my campaign at least. That, that's that's fine, yeah. Yeah, because if, if time is not a factor, as, as proven in Bioshock 2, then someone, somewhere, turned on a Vita Chamber and brought him back. That's fine. Well, I'm saying, but in a superhero-type game, certainly, you, you know, you would... If you could have a Vita Chamber that was in a... Uh, I mean, I don't know how close it has to be to you when you die. Uh, yeah, it's kind of iffy in the game. Yeah, but I mean, if, if you said it basically has to be in certain locations or it's it's it's, hard, it's, it's very expensive, and so you have one, and, and so when it, it happens, you find yourself recreated, but in an inconvenient location. It, this is the gamest kind of part of the idea is, is that you know you wouldn't want something that immediately regenerates you right next to where you were otherwise you literally do have bioshock uh you know yeah. and, mm-hmm. and and you're basically respawning at the same but uh, something that's inconvenient like it basically takes you all the way back to your main headquarters and then you can at which point then you have to get back with everybody uh it, at least it, it means your character can continue in the game uh even though you rightly may be eliminated from the rest of that particular day's adventure. So, yeah. uh, but anyways, but the, the fact is it existed. The Vita Chambers existed, and so it is therefore, a, you know, that, that's huge technology. That's, you know, that's, that's probably, you know, and it's, it has nothing to do with Atom or superpowers. It's literally, you know, mm-hmm. where this technology came from. I remember when I played, I said, who did this? Who devised this stuff? Because this is like super technology. This is this is Captain America, you know, Red Skull technology, you know. Well, when we discuss 
Bioshock Infinite in Columbia, you will find out. Yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> Another little uh, poll- pollination from that game. But anyway. This is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there. So go explore them. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Gaming on the Frontier podcast is wholly owned by its hosts. It is released under the Creative Commons 3.0 license. No commercial reproduction and any use of any element of the podcast must be attributed to the Gaming on the Frontier podcast. Hi, this is Trav from the Travcast. Listen to me Tuesday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on listen.dementiaradio.org colon 8027.